after me. Say, this is God's word. This is God's Come on, say it with conviction. This is God's word. This is God's word. It's not Pastor Evans' word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we thank you for this time that we have to fellowship around your word. I thank you for the spirit of God that's here, that's in our hearts. That as we submit to the Holy Spirit, he's going to teach us everything that we need to know. So that, Father, we can function in kingdom principles for our lives. And so as I decrease now, I thank you for the anointing of God increasing to feed everybody in this, pers- in this room. And as I back up, I thank you for moving forward so the Spirit of God can be heard by every person. And I thank you today as a result of teaching the Word that signs, miracles, and wonders will follow our lives. And we declare this to, have, to, have, to happen in Jesus' name. And everybody say, amen. amen and amen. God bless you. You may be seated. We're in a new series entitled Faith to Move Forward. Everybody say faith Faith. to move forward. And this series that I've started ties directly into our 2013 theme for the year and direction for our church. And last week, our message was called Mountain Moving Faith. And if you were not here, I recommend that you get the CD or go to the podcast or our phone app and listen to that message because I know it will be a blessing to your life. Can somebody say amen? Amen. And so today we're going to stay in the faith zone. Everybody say faith zone. And so our topic, if you're taking notes, is faith in our high priest. Faith in our high priest. And look at your neighbor and I want you to say, neighbor, our high priest is Jesus Christ. Amen. And the goal of today's message is to boost your faith in the role that Jesus Christ plays in your life today. Because most people don't know that Jesus still wants to do something other than having died and rose again for them. There is a role that he plays and wants to play in our life every day. And so today I'm hoping to provide you with some practical ways to apply your faith and, uh, and, and apply principles to your everyday living. So there are three verses of scripture that I want to start you out with. I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 5 verse 1. Hebrews 5 1. And when you get there we're going to look at that verse as well as Hebrews 5.10. Then I want you to find Leviticus chapter 21, and we're going to start reading at verses 10. And then finally, we're going to go back to Hebrews chapter 2 and probably look at uh, verse 14. I'll say those again. Hebrews chapter 5, verses 1 and 10. 
Leviticus chapter 21, verses 10, and then Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. If you don't have a pen to take notes, just look up at the screen. They'll help you with the verses. So I'm going to jump right into this morning's lesson because it's very intense. Uh, I'm just going to let you know here that the message is going to educate you. It's also going to inspire you. And then it's also going to help you understand what role Jesus plays in your life today. So here's the first point. If you're taking notes, I want you to write down. And it's this. Every high priest was called and ordained, not a volunteer or self-proclaimed. I'm going to say that again because I'm going to show you later in the, in the message that Jesus Christ is our great high priest. It says, uh, uh, here's the first point, every high priest was called, everybody say called. They were called by God and ordained, not a volunteer or self-proclaimed. In other words, this is what I'm saying. This was not something you went to school to do. This was not something you decided to do. This was not a career that you choose. This was something God ordained a person to do for their life. Amen. And in Hebrews chapter 5 verse 1, it says this. For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men in the things pertaining to God. That he, this high priest, may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. Now in verse 10, if you'll drop down to verse 10 in Hebrews chapter 5, it says, and it's talking about Jesus, he was called of God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Now Melchizedek in the Old Testament was an Old Testament high priest. And one of the things that Melchizedek did, he of course, he, he worked and functioned in the role of a high priest. And I'm going to explain to you what that role was that a high priest did. But what they were doing here in the New Testament was comparing Jesus to this guy named Melchizedek in the Old Testament. So one of the things that you need to understand is that there was a process. Everybody say process. There was a process involved when being set aside to become a, a priest. In other words, there was something that was done. That was an order and a process that was taking place. And in Leviticus chapter 21, just go ahead and turn there or look up on the screen. Leviticus 21 and verse 10, we're now going to read what the process was for a, the calling of a high priest. And it says here, And he that is the high priest among his brethren, upon whose head, watch this now, that the anointing oil was poured. So one of the, the processes that a high priest had to go through was the anointing of oil on his head and, and that consecrated him to wear the priestly garments. Now you say, well, how did that take place? See, in the Old Testament, when you were called by God and ordained to do something, especially for a high priest position, then you were anointed with oil. And it's just like, in fact, if in, in most cases, kings were anointed as well. And so remember when, when David uh, uh, was anointed to be king, if you don't know the story, basically David, uh, who wrote the, the book of Psalms, when he became king, what happened was, was uh, the, Jesse, his dad, was told by the, the high priest at the time, he says, listen, gather your sons together because one of them, God, wants to anoint to become king. And so Jesse called all of his sons up, but he didn't call David because David was the youngest one. He felt, oh, he's not anointed. He's just a herder of sheep. He's just an errand boy. 
So they didn't see David as the king. So one of the process was when the, when the, uh, the, the, the priest was coming, he had oil with him. And if the oil didn't break over his, over the person's head, that's not the person that God called. So he went by over each son of, of Jesse. And when he got to him, the oil didn't run. He said, Oh, something's wrong. So he asked Jesse, he says, Jesse, do you have another son? Because these, these are not the right ones. He said, well, I got one more. And he's out there in the field watching over the sheep. He says, well, bring him in. And when he got there, guess what? The oil ran upon David. And he anointed David to be king over Israel. So that was one of the processes that the priest or the high priest must be anointed with oil. Let's continue to read. And this is consecrated to put on the garments. Now, this is important because I'm going to show you one of the things that the high priest did was he went into the holy places and the high priest was the only person that can go into this place. And so the reason why the garments are so important is because they designed the garments. He had special clothing, special, uh, 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 it was in special fabric and everything. And at the bottom of his robe, he wore bells. And the reason he wore bells is because when he went into the Holy of Holies, you could hear the bells jingling. And if you heard the bell stop, and it stopped for a while, that means he died in there. So they would put a rope on his ankle. And so, because if you go in there, you're going to die. Because the only person that was supposed to go in there in the Old Testament was the high priest. And so what they would do if he died because he didn't have his sins, you know, dealt with, they would pull the rope and pull him out of that holy place. Well, you can see why that's so important. And so he had special garments that he wore. I'm going to continue to read. It says in verse 11, neither shall he go in to any dead body. Now, just circle dead body because I'm going to reference that in just a few minutes. Nor defile himself for his father or mother. You say, well, what do you mean by that? See, you have to understand certain rituals that the Jewish culture had. And one of them is they would actually pick your spouse for you. I mean, and, and sometimes if they would pick their spouse... Uh, sometimes when the parents pick them, they may not pick somebody that was within the culture. And that's not how God liked it. In fact, Samson did it. Now, Samson's parents didn't pick him. But Samson married outside of his race. And that was one of the reasons what got Samson in trouble. Because he married somebody that didn't serve the God that he served. And that's why the Bible says, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers because they're not believing what you believe. And if you think you're going to save them when you marry them, oh, they'll change when I marry them. Guess what? You didn't marry who you thought. Look at your neighbor and say, he ain't talking to me right now. Now look at him again and say, if you're single, he's talking to you though. All right. It says, neither shall he go into the sanctuary nor profane the sanctuary of his God for the crown of the anointing oil of his God is upon him and I am the Lord and he shall take a wife in her virginity. Now see, this is where the Catholic church and what they believe clashes with what Christianity and the Bible declares. See, the reason why the, the, the Catholic church is having problems with, with priests and all these kids and stuff is because God did not make it a requirement for the priest to not get married. That's a man's requirement. If you notice here, he, God said, listen, he can get married, but he must marry someone who's a virgin. Now look at your neighbor and say, you'd have flunked that test. You'd have flunked that test. You'd have flunked that test. Y'all know what I'm talking about. 
In fact, push the person next to you. Just push them. Just push them and say, don't act like you don't know what he's talking about. He said, she must be a virgin of his own people to wife. Do you notice that? And then he says, neither shall he profane his seed among his people, for I, the Lord, do sanctify him. Amen. Now go to Hebrews chapter 9 quickly. Go to Hebrews 9. Because, see, I just want to set this up for you because I need you to see how important the high priest, Jesus Christ, is important in our lives. Because there was a major difference between just a regular priest and the duties of a high priest. Amen. See, Aaron in the Bible was a high priest, but Aaron's sons were just priests. And there was a difference, and I'm going to read you the difference between the two, because when I read you this role, this is some things that Jesus had to do when he hit the earth realm. In Hebrews 9, verse 2, I'm going to read from verse 2 to verse 7, so be patient. He says, for there was a tabernacle made, the first wherein was the candlestick and the table and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. In other words, he's describing now how this place where the priests went, he's describing it. He says, and after the second veil, everybody say the second veil. Because there were two veils in there. He says, after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holies of all, which had the golden censer. Everybody say, God like bling. I mean, if God, he didn't have no problem with a gold, with gold being his, in his house. Why do we have problems with gold? Everybody say, he just added that. It had a golden censer and the Ark of the Covenant overlaid round about with gold, wherein was the golden pot that had manna and Aaron's rod that budded and the tables of the covenant. Now, I'm going to drop down to verse 6. Now, when these things were thus ordained, the priest, everybody say the priest. Now, here's the difference between the priest and the high priest. He says the priest, they went always into the what tabernacle? He said, oh, they were, the priests were able to go to the first tabernacle. He says, accomplishing the service of God. But into the second one went the high priest, what? Alone, once, what? Every year, not without blood, which he offered, read it with me, for himself and for what? The errors or the sins of the people. Can somebody say amen? When this priest... When this high priest went, all the other priests had to stay behind. Only the high priest could go into this second veil. And because that was where the presence of God was. And he was going in there to make a sacrifice for himself. And then make a sacrifice for the people. And if you read it, it says he had to do this once every year. Here's why. Because the blood of an animal was what was being offered for the sins of the people. But he had to come back and do it every year. Because the blood of an animal could not remove the sins of the people. Because an animal was not who sinned against God. You with me? And so what had to happen was uh, they would go in there and then every year the sins would just be, watch this, would be covered but not removed. Now we're going to see uh, uh, later that when Jesus went into the Holy of Holies, what he did for us, because now a man is who sinned against God, when Jesus came, he had to live a sinless life, watch this, so that now he could be the replacement for the sin of man. And now once his blood was spilled, his blood would, watch this, permanently remove our sins. 
And I'll show you why that's so important just in just a second. So here's point number two. Every high priest's job was to provide a sacrifice for the sins of the people. His job was to provide a sacrifice. Now go to Hebrews chapter 9. Go to Hebrews 9. And we're going to look at verse 6 again. Hebrews 9 verse 6. It says, Now when these things were thus ordained, the priests went always into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the service of God. But into the second with the high priest alone, once in every year, with, without blood, which he offered for himself and for the errors of people. Now I'm going to jump down to verse 11. But Christ, when he came as a high priest, of good things to come. And one of the reasons it's a good thing is because we don't have to no more take some blood and depend on somebody else to confess our sins. And that's why you don't need to go to a confession booth if you come out of the Catholic Church and confess your sins to a man. All you now have to do, you have a straight, direct connection to God where you can go boldly to the throne and you can confess your own sin. Amen. It says, but Christ being come as a high priest of good things by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood. He entered once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. In other words, he didn't have to go every year. All he had to do was die one time. And that one time was permanently enough to remove the sins of mankind. And see, that's why you ought to have a conscience toward God to know that, listen, when I receive Jesus Christ as my sin, uh, as my Savior, He removes sin from my life eternally. Amen. It goes on to say, how much more shall the blood, in other words, He says in verse 13, for if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctified to the purifying of the flesh. He says, how much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God. And when he did that, it purges our conscience from dead works to serving the living God. Listen, when Jesus died for you, that's why you, listen, the devil has no right to condemn you even from what you've done because guess what? Jesus and what he did purged your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And that's why you and I have the right to walk into his presence. The Bible says, come boldly to the throne of grace so we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Why? Because my conscience is clear and my sin has been removed and now I have a direct connect to God. Man, that's good stuff right there. The blood of animals covered sins, but the blood of Jesus removed it. And that's why in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, just write it down. It says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. How can we come boldly to the throne? Because our sins have not been covered. Our sins have been removed. Now go back to Leviticus 21. Go back to Leviticus 21. I'm going to show you something very powerful about what Jesus did. Very powerful. And it says in verse, uh, verse 10, Le uh, Leviticus 21, verse 10, it says, And he that is the high priest among his brethren, whose head the anointing oil was poured, and that is consecrated to put on the garments, 
shall not cover his head. Now notice he said not cover his head or uncover his head. See, Jesus was, was raised a Nazarite. And one of the customs of the Nazarite is that you didn't cut your hair. See, Jesus couldn't sport some of these bald heads that we have in this room right now. Because that would break the, the, the tradition of a Nazarite. And if you notice here, it says he didn't uncover his head, nor tore his clothes. But here's the part I wanted you to look at a few minutes ago. Neither shall he go in to any dead body. Now, I want you to notice something. That the high priest could not touch anything dead. Do you notice that? He couldn't touch anything dead. And that's why everything that Jesus touched, either once it was dead, he brought it back to life. It was, if it was sick, he cleansed it because he had so much power because he lived a sinless life. It would have been wrong for him to touch something dead. So that's why when people came and Jesus touched them, they were either healed, they were either delivered, they were either cleansed, or they got raised from the dead because the life in him overtook the death in them. Are you all with me? So uh, in Matthew chapter 8, just write it down. It says this, uh, and behold, there came a leper and worshiping him saying, Lord, if you will, will you make me clean? And Jesus put forth his hand and he touched him saying, I will be thou cleansed. And, and, and it says, and immediately, everybody say immediately. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. You know why his leprosy was cleansed? Because anything that we give to Jesus, he can heal, he can fix, he can cleanse, and he can deliver. So it was impossible for somebody to be touched by Jesus and something not happen to them. Amen. And see, here's the thing that I learned. If he can save us from spiritually dying and going to hell, surely he can deliver me from having a bad job. If he can deliver a leper from leprosy, surely he can fix my marriage. If he can live a sinless life and find the ultimate way to cleanse us from our sins, surely he can help me find the mate. And if he could heal Peter's mother-in-law, everybody say Jesus loved mother-in-laws. I mean, if he could heal Peter's mother-in-law from having a fever, surely he could deliver you from migraine headaches. See, there's somebody in here who have migraine headaches. Jesus can heal that. And see, let me tell you what we've done. We've allowed songs that we sing to push us into tradition. He touched me. Come on, sing it with me. Oh, he touched me. That's fine. That's wonderful. But you need to know you don't have to wait for him to touch you. You can touch him. See, the Bible says the lady with the issue of blood, she didn't wait for him. She didn't wait and say, I'm waiting on Jesus to call me. I'm waiting on Jesus to touch me. She said, no, if I will just touch the hem of his garment, she said, I will be made whole. So you don't have to wait for him to touch you. You can touch him. Amen. And I tell you what, there's no way on God's green earth for you to touch Jesus and something not happen to your life. Can somebody say amen to that? And see, this is what I've discovered. See, if you have a money problem, I dare you to let him touch your money. See, God designed things to where whatever 
allows him, whoever will allow him to touch what they have, he'll bless it. And this is probably where, you know, most of us get it mixed up. That's why what he wants is something first from you. And when he, when you give him what's first, then he blesses the rest. And that's why you got to know your apostle and high priest, Jesus Christ. The reason why now, because I'm moving into my third point in just a second. The reason why most of us don't see the power in the name of Jesus working is because we use his name in ordinary ways. Oh, Jesus. No, 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 no. See, it's not, and see, most of us, when we pray, we pray, you know, prayers, and we, 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 we say his name loud, like, uh, Lord, we thank you, and I thank you for healing my mother in Jesus' name. <laughs> well, saying the name loud ain't going to make it work. It's believing in the name and the power in the name that makes it work. And the reason the name doesn't work for some of us because we use it too much in an ordinary way. When you say the name of Jesus, you need to believe that what you're saying, he's going to move in your behalf. Somebody say amen to that. So here's point number four as we close. Here's point number four. Jesus is the high priest over what we say. Jesus is the high priest over what we say. Now go to Hebrews chapter 3. Verse 1, Hebrews 3, 1. We're going to read it, and then we're going to close with Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession. And that word profession also means confession. He says, who is it? Christ Jesus. In other words, Jesus Christ is the apostle and high priest of what we say we believe. Now, the word apostle means sent one. So Jesus is the sent one, and he's the high priest over what we say we believe. And that's why we have to watch what we say, because Jesus' role is still active. The Bible says he's sitting at the right hand of God, and he's making intercession, or he's praying for us. And the reason the name of Jesus is so important, because when you say something, if it's according to God's word, it's according to God's will. And if it's according to God's will, Jesus takes that confession to the Father, and because it has his name on it, God says, I can do that. And here's the problem. Most of us say stuff that ain't even God's will. Boy, my back's hurting so bad. That ain't God's will. You say, well, pastor, I'm just telling the truth. No, you're telling the fact. Oh, the fact is your back may hurt, but the truth is you're healed by Jesus Christ. Right. Amen. So check this out. That's why, go to Hebrews chapter 4 now. Hebrews 4, look in verse 14. It says, seeing then... That we have a great high priest. Now notice, his, he didn't went from just being a high priest to a great high priest. We have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God. He says, because of that, let us hold fast to what we say we believe. Why? For he is not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He knows what you are going through, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. In other words, what he's saying here in this verse is that Jesus understands what we are going through. So even if somebody on this earth realm does not understand why don't you talk to somebody who does the bible says 
He understands our weaknesses. That's what the word infirmities mean. But it also says that he, uh, he said he was tempted in all points, but yet without sin. So guess what? That's why he understands. You say, well, uh, I, I don't know if I can be delivered from crack. Well, he was probably tempted with it. It just wasn't in the same form. Because he was tempted. He was tempted, the Bible says, in every way, yet without sin. That means he was tempted with women. He was tempted. He was even tempted to the point where he was not going to obey God's will and die. That's why he said, Lord, if there is any other way, cause this cup to pass for me. And then he realized what he was saying. He says, nope, that's not the will of God. He went on to say, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And even though, listen, he did not want to die, he did it anyway because him dying produced more sons and daughters for God. And that's why, that's why he gave us permission to use his name because faith in his name provides power to what we have said. And that's why in Romans 10, 13 it says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The name of Jesus is so powerful, it can take you out of a state of hell into the state of heaven. The name of Jesus is so powerful that it can, it can, it can cause a dead marriage to come back to life. And when you know that, you will use this name. And, and, and John 14, or John verse 10, verse 13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name shall, shall be saved. That was Romans 10, 13. And then John 14, 12 says, He that believeth on me. The works that I do shall he also do, and greater works shall he be that he do, because I go to the Father. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, he says, I will do it, that the Father may be glorified. Let me show you how powerful Jesus was. When he died, he had to die, because anybody who sinned had to die. Adam, that's why that Adam ended up dying, because he sinned. So Jesus had to fix that. Well, what's the result of somebody sinning that stays in that state? They go to hell. So that's why he spent three days and three nights in the grave. He went to hell for you and me. And you know what? In some people's lives, he went for nothing because they never accept him. So guess what? He went to the grave. And then he rose again from the dead. And when he came back, he walked out of the tomb. And Mary Magdalene was waiting on him. And she was getting ready to probably hug him. And the Bible says, he said to her, don't touch me. Because I haven't yet ascended to the Father. See, remember, he could touch nothing dead, and nothing dead could touch him. And she was a sinner, so he couldn't let her touch him, or she, he would have been contaminated by the time he ascended to the Father. And say, God, I've done what you wanted me to do. Now, they, their slate can be wiped clean because I've died, and now I've rose again for them. So he said, don't touch me. Now, guess what? That's why we can use his name. Because the power is in the blood and in the name. So there are some people here today that your relationship with Jesus is like this. He's outside of your house and you just open the door and when you need him, you call on him. Lord, can you help me? And he brings you out of this. How many have done that before? I remember when I wasn't even saved and I thought I had got a girl pregnant and I had never prayed in my life. You have to understand, I grew up Presbyterian. I ain't never seen nobody pray, so I didn't know how to pray. But that day, I prayed. I got on my knees on my college bunk bed. I said, Lord, they say you're real. I believe you are today. I need you to help me. 
I don't want to be a daddy, but I'll be the best one I can. But can you help me? About two months went by. I went back home, and the girl who I thought got pregnant, her cycle came that day I came home. See, I woke some of y'all up on that, didn't I? Let me tell you something, though. It changed my life. Now, that was just me opening the door, talking to Jesus on the outside. And that's some of y'all. But then, there are some of you who you've let him in your heart. You let him in your house, but he only lives in one room. You've confined him to one room in your life. And that's why your job is doing well, but your marriage is doing bad. Because he's on your job, but he's not in your bedroom. And then there are some of you, he's ruling your life. But you're not connected to a place where you can learn more about him and grow. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I've talked to somebody here.